morning. Let's stand all over the house this morning. Let's sing an old hymn of the church. Everybody will be happy over there.
Amen. I'm going to ask the ushers at this time if they would come this morning and take up this morning's tithes and offerings. Let's bow for prayer. Eternal Father, Lord, we just love you. We glorify your name. Father, we pray today that you bless the gift and the giver. If there's someone here today who cannot give, Lord, we pray that at some point in time you would bless them so they could give back to all that you have done for them. Father, I pray today that you would bless every note that is played, every song that is sung. Lord, every message that is given, scripture that is read, I pray it would be for the upbuilding and the advancement of your kingdom. We give you all the praise and glory and honor that is due your name. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. The people of God said amen. Amen. Will you come at this time and greet one another in the Lord? morning as you make your way back to your seats this morning uh, I want to go over a couple things with you today uh, just to give you some uh, information if you will about some things uh, first of all let me say to all those that are joining uh, online or in-house we welcome you to church today uh, there are lots of folks that are out today uh, and we'll have prayer for those folks here momentarily uh, as you can see uh, there's a little bit of a skeleton crew along the lines. I, I know most people thought I would think it's because of the holidays, but but it's not. Uh, we have quite a few out. Uh, Sister uh, April Craven uh, was sick in the hospital on uh, yesterday, Friday, and, and then into yesterday um, with uh, some abdominal pain and some hip pain, and so they have put her on bed rest with, with her baby and some things until she can get some more testing and stuff done at the doctor. So she uh, is very nervous, but she's also praying that the Lord will 
will help her not to uh, have any more complications uh, with that as well. Also, we have um, recently, um, if you will, uh, found out that, um, that uh, Ms. Aaron uh, uh, Carter, we found that out this morning, uh, they're not here today. They are sick today, um, and we're praying for them to, to get better and no issues for Harper to get sick or anything like that. But they are sick today. Brother Larry had to work. Uh, Brother Jordy had to work. Um, Sister Jennifer was planning on being here, but due to some changing of some things that there is uh, dealing with her father, she had to make a quick left turn and do some things differently today and uh, had to be with her mother today to address some needs that are going on with her father. And so she, unfortunately, is not able to be with us today as well. She's very um, hated to leave us short-staffed, but she, she, I told her, you, you take care of your family and we'll cover uh, things here. And so that's where... Uh, she is at today. So a lot of folks that are just moving, uh, Brother Christian uh, and uh, Braxley are not here today. Braxley's not feeling well today, and we don't want to, he didn't want to take a chance on him getting sick or anyone else getting sick. So uh, that being said, there's a lot of moving parts that are, that are going on today. Obviously, if you have kids, we uh, want you to sign them out. But uh, we started today, but just so you know, moving forward, we have now got enough coverages and classes that we were able to split our children's ministry department so we don't have a three-year-old trying to learn Jesus with the 12 year old and uh, and it getting challenging so if you have a child that is uh, in first to fifth grade you will send your first to fifth graders to the uh, student center in the back on Sunday mornings if you have a child that's about three to six five to six years old depending on how their birthday falls but in that window preschool to kindergarten age right behind this wall right here right behind the cross of Calvary Right here, if you go out the doors and go into the fellowship hall, there's a center room. Used to be the war room and the prayer room, and you're going to hear more about how we changed that up a little bit. But now it is the jam room, J-A-M, Jesus and Me uh, classroom, and it's those little people. It's all the three to five, six-year-olds. They're back there right now learning about Elisha and the size of the clouds of a man hand and making cloud jello. So I don't know what it's going to look like when this service is over. You might find jello all over your child. My wife is coming up back from sabbatical. Don't blame her. Her brain's not working like it used to right now. So uh, it's not her fault. So, uh, but make sure you sign your kids out either spot. So, uh, you know, wherever your child is at, make sure you sign them out. We know some are interested in joining our church family, and that's wonderful. We are, uh, if you are still interested, please um, make sure we know. I know a couple of you have already expressed interest, and I'm going to get with you. But if you have any questions, come see me. About that, we're still taking questionnaires for those that would like to be interested in helping serve on the pastor's council. As I explained before, we're supposed to have rotations, and uh, and so uh, we're trying to do our best to stay within our bylaws. And so we have a questionnaire out there we need you to fill out. Or if you're interested, uh, just fill it out, stick it in the basket that's out there as well. Ladies, please get those. Um, women's, we got a lot of them back, but if you're uh, wanting to fill out one of those questionnaires to let us know about women's ministry, so we can move forward. Men, same thing. Yours is out there. So we need you to sign yours up and get your information so we know how to do that. As I said to you all ago, the kids' ministries have started. Uh, the uh, ministry leaders, I'll introduce them officially on, on the screen next Sunday morning. Um, but Ms. Jeannie uh, and uh, Ms. Glenda will be over our older kids. And Brianna and Ms. Sandy will be over our little babies over here in the back. So we've got lots of people moving around. Lots of great volunteers that are helping as well. Don't forget tonight, let me back up one slide, tonight is graduation Sunday with CLM, that is why we're having snack night tonight, so make sure you come out and support. If you come at 6 o'clock and you have to sit on the front row, it's not because I did not warn you. This place gets packed in a hurry. So we don't mind you coming, we want you to come, 
but be early to the buffet table. Get here a little bit early to get your seat so that someone uh, doesn't take it from you as well. Now, I talked to you about the, the war room briefly, but um, uh, the last couple uh, months I have been thinking about this. I've had people reach out to me and, and uh, talk to me about uh, some different things, and obviously with the war room having to be shifted. Back when we did the fasting, uh, in 21 days of fasting, we had Monday night uh, fasting and prayer services, and those things can happen. But many of you, lots of you, uh, have, have uh, lots of things at night. You want to go see your grandbaby play softball. You want to go see your grandson play basketball, etc., so on and so forth. And we're not by any way trying to disenfranchise those that work versus those that don't work. But when we did have it at night, it was harder for people to come, and, and older folks didn't want to come at night. And so starting this Wednesday, now there is no pressure. If I'm the only one here, that is fine. But starting this Wednesday at 10 o'clock, every Wednesday morning, this place will turn into a house of prayer. It will literally be a prayer service that will turn into a house of worship uh, for about an hour of worship and prayer. Uh, I'm going to tell you, I don't say this in any way in a braggadocious state, but I'm going to tell you that prayer changes the face of a church uh, very quickly. Uh, back when I served in a previous location, I launched the same ministry by the same name called the Nehemiah Prayer Force. Uh, at the previous church I served at, we started out with about eight people. Three of those people were the staff, and they were required to come because we were required to be there. So we had about five or six people that came to the first ones we started having. We, we had them on Tuesday mornings at that location. And by the time that I had to pass that ministry on to be able to come serve as the pastor here, we were averaging about 25 to 30 in prayer meetings on, Sun, on, on Tuesday morning. So this is not just for our church. I've already told some other churches that have older folks that don't work or that are retired. They're welcome to join us. They can come here and pray for their church. It's not designed to just be for us. But I believe that if we're going to, whether we build things up front or whether we build things in the back, we first got to build things inside before we build them on the outside. And so we got to get some things ironed out. So if you can come, it's about an hour. You're more than welcome to join us. You can sit. We'll have music. We will have, it won't be a bunch of preaching and singing, but it will be a time of worship. We'll be playing, and then we will pray. If you stay five minutes, you stay the hour, it's whatever you want to do. If it's just me, uh, so be it. But we have some that have expressed interest. If you need a ride, you let me know. We have people that will come get you. Don't say, Pastor, I want to come to prayer meeting, but I can't because I don't have anyone to get me there. If you need a ride, I promise you I will be an Uber driver. I will come pick you up, and my fares are cheaper than Uber. I can promise you. So you call me. We'll get you here with uh, no issue. Also, Miss Ann and Miss Patricia and some others have decided that they are trying to clean out their houses, and they uh, they wanted to be able to donate some some funds to our building fund and our women's ministries and different things. And they have been circuit riding all throughout some of y'all's houses, and going in your attics and closets and things and cleaning your house for you that you wish you could do. So you sent them in to do that, and so. Uh, they're going to use our property up front here on a Friday and Saturday, October 6th and 7th. Uh, and, you, and you are more than welcome to, to help support that or work that. They could use all the help they can get, pricing and dicing and setting up. But they're doing it not necessarily under the church umbrella, but as to give back to the church whatever they uh, uh, make from that. And so obviously we have uh, prime real estate property up front right here where people drive by. So uh, they're collecting things. However... We already are maxing out our storage unit of collection. So we're struggling. So we need you, if you have anything you want to donate, we still are collecting them. However, we cannot come get them right now. 
and we need you on October the 1st, I believe, or 2nd, wherever that Sunday is, after that Sunday morning service, you can bring us all the stuff you want to, call us, we'll be here at the church, we'll come pick it up at that point. But please don't bring it before that first Sunday in October, because we have nowhere to store it right now, and we already are limited on storage. So please uh, be mindful of that, but we're going to believe God's going to help them be successful in that so that they can uh, help our church continue to move forward. But they're collecting all kinds of items for that as well. All the other items on the itinerary uh, you can find on our church website. I do want to make sure we mention two things today. Um, Brother Randy's getting ready to come and lead scripture and prayer and then uh, some other things that will transpire. But I do want you to be praying for the church because regardless of how many come through the Nehemiah ministry or how many are here on Sunday morning or Sunday night or things like that, our church has a very... A strong footprint and imprint in this community. People call us. In fact, on Wednesday night, when uh, we were having uh, the, the torrential hurricane that came through, and we went online, and uh, my banana trees were, were waving in the background of my house, and we went online. We had uh, lots of people from other churches whose churches weren't having anything that tuned into our online services, and we opened up an opportunity for people to pray, and they had some serious needs. And so I believe that our community, and you'll see it tonight when you hear the stories of CLM, our community is needing Jesus. It just does. It needs Jesus. And so we have an impact in this community. Even if we're not the largest church in this community, that doesn't mean we can't be the most praying church in this community. And I believe prayer does a whole lot more for the body of Christ than how many people come to church on Sunday morning. And so help us to pray that these ministries through prayer, uh, these, these avenues of prayer would be instrumental in moving the church forward. This time, Brother Randy's going to come. Immediately following that, Sister Lila's going to come. And immediately following that, Brother Wayne is going to come to share about what God's doing in his life. God bless you. Okay, I'll do my best to talk into the mic. You put your trust in the Lord. Now, if you had no damage and no problems in the storm this past week, uh, I firmly believe it's the Lord that did it because I've been through a lot of storms and uh, I just prayed, Lord, watch out for me and mine, people at church, their property, and I believe the Lord answered prayer. And we were expecting 40, 50 mile an hour winds. Sometimes at one point they said even up to 70 mile an hour winds here locally. I didn't get that at my house. I don't know about you, but the Lord was uh, blessing and putting a providential hand and guidance around us and protecting us. And I wanted to read Psalms 31, the first five verses today. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Never let me be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Bow down thy ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be thou my strong rock for a house of defense to save me. For thou art my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for thy name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net that they have laid privately for me, for thou art my strength. Into thine hand I commit my spirit. Thou hast redeemed me, O Lord God of truth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Remember all these that are mentioned. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name for this opportunity to come before you today. Lord, we thank you for you being with us. We thank you for helping us, delivering us. Lord, for keeping your hand around us, keeping your angels around us had lots of people traveling this week. We pray that you will continue to be with those that are traveling. 
thank you for the traveling mercies you've given to the other ones. Pray that you'll continue to abide for each of these that are sick. There's so many this morning, Lord, that need a touch. But we know that you can. We're praying that you will, Lord. Those that have had surgery this week, I pray that you will be with them and keep them. We've had so many people that have had to go to the doctor that are in the hospital now that are having to look out for special interests and special needs. Pray that you will be with them and keep them and lift them up and strengthen them, Lord. We thank you for touching many of them, Lord, that are now doing much, much better and on the road to recovery. Lord, I pray that you will continue to bless us today in this service. Bless our pastor that he would say the words you would have us to hear, Lord, that we can take that and use it this coming week for thy glory. We ask that you will continue to bless us, for we pray this in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. And worship with Sister Lila as she comes at this time.
This time, uh, Brother Wayne is going to come and share with us for a moment. Well, good morning. I just want to say that I think it's an honor and a privilege to be able to give my testimony. I just want to say that I think it's an honor and a privilege to be able to give the testimony, especially on a Sunday morning. And Jonathan, I thank you that you're allowing me to do this. I'm very humbled by it. When preparing for this testimony, I added some things and took some things out. I fine-tuned it. I rehearsed it. I tried to condense it where it'd be around five minutes or so. But you know, when God gets a hold of you, you just want to tell everyone about Jesus and how he changed your life. So I'll do my best to show how God turned my mess into a message. We all have a story. In fact, we are a lot more alike than we are different. I came to CLM not as a bad guy wanting to be good, but a sick man wanting to be well. Now, I'm not going to stand up here this morning and talk about all the events and failures and arrests. I'm not going to give the devil that glory. Let's just say that years of grief and disaster follow thereafter. From around age 15 to my 40s were a living hell. Even though I did excel in life from time to time. At age 17, I enlisted in the United States Army and was awarded expert on the rifle range, expert on the hand grenade range. Got my high school diploma and my first stripe all out of basic training. At the end of basic training, I came home on leave and got around some of my old drinking buddies and returned to a life of drinking and drugging. I reported back to my duty station where I was given an early discharge. Later in life, I entered the Baptist College of Charleston, which is now Charleston Southern University, where I received a BS in psychology and a minor in criminal justice. 
I then went on to graduate school and earned a master's degree in counseling. Boy, was I ready to change the world. I worked in the mental health field for several years, including MUSC's Institute of Psychiatry. It was there that I did a research study doctors told me that my research had met all criteria and was acceptable and eligible for publication in a well-known mental health journal. But prior to publication, while working the 3 to 11 shift, someone smelt alcohol on my breath. You see, I would drink prior to coming to work. other drugs on my breaks. I was found out. For the Bible says your sins will find you out. I was dismissed from that job and went home and told my wife at the time that I had been fired for another reason, my attitude. So it wasn't long after that that I left the mental health field altogether because I felt I was mentally unhealthy myself. I was then hired by Charleston County EMS where I rose in the ranks from a basic EMT to paramedic to paramedic crew chief. And just before I left, I was highly considered for the position of a senior crew chief, which is equivalent to that as a captain in the fire department. We worked 24 hours on and I was, we were off 48 hours. I would sit in bars on my days off and drink. I was dismissed from that job as well due to anger issues. And finally, I sold automobiles for several years where I quickly learned a knack of being a good salesman. I was selling cars like candy bars, and I thought the drinking and drugging helped me deal with customers and the stress of being a commissioned salesperson. After time, my sales began to decline, and I was fired from that job as well due to poor performance and lack of sales. Just prior to coming to Change Lives Ministry while living in Costa Rica, I knew I was in trouble. I had a 23-pound weight loss, had experienced many falls that resulted in abrasions, cuts, and bruises, and contusions. There were also a lot of unexplained injuries that I sustained that apparently happened during blackouts. Then social isolation set in. I'd been experiencing depression, anxiety, paranoia, restlessness, and night terror. I found myself driving around in circles lost even though I was familiar with the area. I didn't think this was gonna happen, to be honest with you.
my world was caving in at that point. Then of all people, a bartender told me about Change Lives Ministry and even gave me their phone number. I'd been staying in a motel for a week or 10 days. I called around 10 p.m. and spoke with someone and they told me a little bit about the program and how to get there. This was a Saturday night. They said, come in on Monday and talk to an intake manager. I was so desperate that I came in on Sunday. And upon arrival, they told me, no, you have to come back on Monday to speak with someone about admissions. I was overwhelmed with pain, remorse, and grief. It had come down to a simple choice, really, get busy living or get busy dying. On Monday, I failed the urinalysis test due to alcohol still being in my system. So I white-knuckled it a day or two more and returned. Then God showed up. I knew that my recovery had to begin with brokenness, then a realization of hope, then surrender to God. I had to understand the need for structure and correction through his word. Like Jeremiah in the book of Lamentations, he let me chew on gravel and roll in the dust. Peace had been stripped away and I had forgotten what prosperity was. In the beginning, Change Lives Ministry was a big adjustment for me. They took my car, my cell phone, my laptop, and my wallet and issued me a Bible, a workbook, and a notepad. I remember seeing a mural on the wall that said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The next morning, I'll hear guys go around the table and quote scripture verses from memory. And I would think, I'll never be able to do that. Women, you can relate to that. You see, at Change Life's ministry, they require that you learn and memorize 91 verses in 91 days. In my case, they had me learn 96 verses in 96 days. They wanted to make sure that I got it, and I did get it. But I would think, I'll never be able to get that. So for the next three or four days, I would say, I tell the staff, I'll stay through breakfast, then I'll leave. And breakfast would turn into lunch, and I would say, Breakfast would turn into lunch, and I would say, I'll eat lunch, and I'll leave. And then lunch would turn into supper. Well, you know where I'm going with this. I wanted to do things my way when I wanted to do them and the way I wanted to do them. Something that had become familiar to me. But little by little, things started to click, even though I was withdrawing from alcohol and drugs. There were ups and downs, confusion and fear, but I knew I was in the right place. Finally, I was flying to surrender flag and discovered that all of our stories are about Jesus finding the loss and the joy that is found in him. I read where he is close to the brokenhearted and that he is a very present help in times of trouble. Things were coming together now. My mind was getting clearer. I could now retain information and quote scripture verses from memory. I was reminded of something that I'd learned in the army. The more you sweat in training, the less blood you have in combat. I discovered that we choose our habits, that our habits enslave us, that our addiction habits have affected our bodies, our minds, our brains, our emotions, our relationships, our jobs, our health, our families, our finances, our marriages, and our reputation. But now I'm being taught by the Holy Spirit 
trained by experience, tried by adversity, and tested by fire. I'm committed. I will win. I will come out ahead. My God has and will continue to supply all my needs. Battles cannot beat me, and hell cannot handle me. It was during my quiet time, starting at 5.30 in the morning, that I would meditate, reflect, and ponder on God's Word. He showed me that being faithful to this time in the, early in the morning, every morning, would result in His favor on my life. He showed me who I was in Christ and how to live a victorious life. He made me aware that He was not angry with me or distant, but a complete expression of His love, and that I was His treasured possession. His Word says, if you seek me, you'll find me when you seek me with all your heart. And oh yes, how I was wonderfully made. But most importantly, he showed me that his death was the ultimate expression of his love for me. And that if I continue to be faithful, he would throw the biggest party heaven has ever seen. And now life doesn't seem so complicated anymore. And for the sake of time, and I know I'm running over, I'm, I'm going to jump over and share something with you that God revealed to me around 3.30, 4 o'clock this morning. Friends, God has revealed so much to me. The Bible says that the secret things belong to the Lord, but the things that are revealed belong to us. I believe God wants to know us personally and to know our families deeply. You'd be surprised at what God is willing to forget. If we could only see us how God sees us. I also believe that all of God's people are ministers. There are good ministers, like Jonathan, and there are bad ministers. But ministers we are. And on that final day, we'll be judged not by what we knew, but what we did with what we knew. And I also believe that things aren't always as they seem. I've seen it at Change Lives Ministry. I've seen it in the Transition House. And I've seen it in my daily walk. We can be deceived into believing that we're going down the right path and yet heading towards death. And we shouldn't assume that every opportunity that arises is from God. Satan will disguise himself as an angel of light, and his invitation will seem to be in our best interest, yet his way leads only to death. You see, we choose our sin, but we don't get to choose the consequences of our sin. And I'll stop right here. Just one last thing I want to say is never in the history of this world has a generation of people been more connected than our current generation. And yet so many of us feel more alone than ever. Whether we are single or married, rich or poor, young or old, introverted or extroverted, we're all made with a, with a desire to be loved and known. I have felt unseen. I have felt like no one knows what I'm going through or even cares. We long to be seen, cared for, and known. But sometimes we don't know where to turn. Life can feel overwhelming, and at times we can feel lost and alone. But please know that you are dearly loved and highly favored by Jesus Christ. He cares for you and is concerned about every aspect of your life. Ecclesiastes says there's a time to speak and a time to be silent. So I'll end it here and be silent. Thank you. stand all over the house this morning oh when I think about the Lord how he saved me how he raised me how he filled me with the Holy Ghost how he healed me oh, when I think oh when I 
sing about the Lord, how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he healed me to the Lord, we have heard your, your word today. We've heard about the transformational power of Jesus Christ and how our lives can take twists and turns. But God, you are so faithful. You are the God of the detour. And even when we don't know where the life may be going, we know that there is a God who is not lost, has not ever failed us. And there's a God that sticks closer than a brother. Father, Lord, I pray today, Lord, as we get ready to segue into the remaining portion of this service today, Lord, that we would hear from heaven and we would know that we've been in the presence of Almighty God. And God, I thank you and glorify you and magnify your name. We give you all the praise. Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. People of God said amen. 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 I'm going to ask you to remain standing. I'm going to ask you to grab your Bibles and go to the book of Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. We're going to read just quite a few verses of scripture this morning as it sets up the tone of the message today. You'll see in a moment why we read all of those scriptures in our reading today. Let me say to Brother Wayne and to those that helped with the service today, I appreciate it. I thank you for that. It is nerve-wracking sometimes to stand behind this sacred lectern, but especially when you become transparent before God. You see, there's a lot of people that they could have came up here and read a good speech to you today. The reality of it is that 
there's a difference between just reading a good speech and becoming transparent with the Lord. I think the reality of the fact of the matter is that more people in churches across this nation should become more transparent with God than they should be trying to put a facade before men. Now, I'm not saying you have to tell every dirty secret, dirty laundry, whatever, but I do think there's something to be said for people to hear where God brought you from and where God's put you now. Because there's a lot of people in this world that God's brought them a mighty long way. And there's a lot of people that need to know that too. Matthew chapter 25, I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1. In the kingdom of heaven will be likened unto ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Now, Brother Wayne didn't know what I was going to preach on today. And the more he kept talking, the more I kept thinking, well, don't cut it off in five minutes. Just finish the message and I'll go to Gilligan's with the rest of the church when this is over. Because some people think they're wise in their own eyes, but in reality they're foolish in their own eyes. The Bible says God will confound the wise basically with foolish things. The reality of the fact is many of us in our lives sometimes think we got it all figured out. But we'll learn sometimes that we don't really have it as figured out as much as we think we do. Then the foolish ones took their lamps and they took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at night, midnight, a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Then all, the teas, all these virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. Which means, at some point, even the foolish ones had oil in the lamp, because the lamp don't burn if there's not oil. So at some point, there had to be oil in the lamp. But they're going dim. In the last days, they're going dim. Can I tell you, we're living in a day and an hour where there's a lot of people whose lamps are growing dim the longer Jesus waits. But the wise answered and said, No, lest there should not be enough for us to wait for you and for us, but go rather and sell and buy for yourselves. Meaning, go fix it yourself. We don't have enough. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him to the wedding, and the door was shut. It is a, a precursor of what it's going to be like in the end of time. Afterward, the other virgins came and said, Lord, open the door to us. And he said unto them, Surely I say unto you, I don't know you. This was Jesus' command. Watch therefore, for you will not know the day nor the hour which the Son of Man is coming. This was a, if you will, parable or a metaphorical story Jesus was painting for them about the end of time. He said, you better be ready because one day, ready or not, here I come and I'm not waiting for you to figure it out when I arrive. So today I want to talk to you on the ingredients of a raptured church. What does it take to be a raptured church? The ingredients of the raptured church. Let's pray. Eternal Father, I thank you and love you and glorify you and magnify your name. I pray you would hide me behind the cross of Calvary that I may decree and declare what thus saith the word of the Lord. Take a coal from the altars of heaven and anoint these lips of clay. God, that that's only your words that is heard, not my word that is spoken. Father, I pray you would open eyes, hearts, and ears. Let us not only be hearers of the word, but doers thereof likewise. 
Let us leave this place knowing we've been in the presence of the Lord. We have already felt your presence. We already have heard about the transformational work of Jesus Christ in the life of a, of a believer. And God, today I pray that something else would still be accomplished in this house today. Father, I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, our Lord. And the people of God together said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. There is an increased awareness that we are living in the waning hours of the age of grace. Jesus is coming soon, church. The message of his coming is as urgent and as proclaimed frequently by those who live in anticipation of his return because we're closer now than we've ever been. The Apostle Paul gave a timeline of the surrounding events of what we call the rapture which though it's not mentioned in scripture by direct term rapture, there is the idea of the catching away where we get the word rapture or being caught up in the clouds of glory. The Apostle Paul gave a timeline in 1 Thessalonians 4, 15 through 18. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds of glory to meet the Lord in the air. Thus shall we always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. We, we quote that scripture more often, most often at times of homegoing services or the life of a believer that has passed away. We'll stand around the grave site or the cemetery plots and we'll read that to comfort the family this is not the end this is just goodbye this is just we'll see you later because God's coming again and whether you go via the grave or the rapture one day we'll all go together that's the hope of the Apostle Paul was sharing when he wrote that he was writing that to the church at Thessalonica whose church people were concerned what was going to happen to their deceased loved ones and what would be the role of those of the raptured church when Jesus comes? Would they see their family again? Would they ever get to say hey to their mom again? Would they ever get to shake hands with their grandfather again? What happens to the dead in Christ and the alive in Christ? Certainly, he brought out that Jesus would come. And Paul said that he is coming for the saved. And he is coming for a bride. And he is coming for a... A, a church without spot or blemish, a church reborn, a church that's blood-bought. For years, many people have used certain prophetic scriptures to paint a depressing outlook of the last day church. You'll hear wars and rumors of wars. The earth will groan, birthing pains, pestilence will happen. A third of the earth will end up being destroyed if you are mid-tribulational believers and and post-tribulation believers and they'll use all these prophetic scriptures and, and if you're not careful you'll be depressed thinking about the end of time but it is it is the opinion of some not mine but it is the opinion of some that the church will barely survive or they'll just barely get by you know they'll use scriptures like unless the Lord shorten the days the very elect would be deceived while that scripture is in the Bible that doesn't mean God won't have a triumphant church that's not designed to say God's church is weak need and listless and, and powerless. That's not what it's saying. It's saying if God doesn't help his church, then the church won't survive. The reality of it is others see the church as halt, maimed, crippled, listless, powerless. Other critics will classify the church as a tired church. 
a useless church, an organism that will eventually time out. In fact, when the Apostle Peter and those were being arrested and they were having a, de a debate at, the uh, at Jerusalem in the Sanhedrin courts, one of the leaders said, listen, y'all can throw them in jail all you want to. It, we've had countless other people that have come by that try to promote a religion and it all fizzled out. And you can throw them in jail. If it's not of God, then whether you throw them in jail or not, it'll fizzle out. But you can arrest them. You can beat them. You can even kill them. Because if this thing's from God, there's nothing you're going to be able to do to stop them. Can I tell you today, the devil can quarantine us with COVID. The devil can send round two, round three, round four of those things. The devil can give, give us depressing outlooks with cancer or depressing outlooks with sickness or depressing outlooks with, with death that is going around us. The devil can make us think the church is dying because the numbers of church attendance is dropping by the, by the moment according to Barna statistics. And you can see the depression all around you. Brother Wayne said it this morning. He got into a season of depression. Even good church people fall into seasons of depression. But can I tell you no matter how dark and depressing the devil makes it look, God's not going to have a lifeless church God's not coming back for a limp church God's not coming back for a hopeless church but he's coming for a church triumphant whether the devil puts you in jail or he takes you by the grave if God be for you who can be against you God's going to have a glorious church he's going to have it he's coming for it I contend that there are those who are less vigorous and vigilant and there is a vast majority, though, of folks who might see it differently. I believe the church in the last days will be a vibrant movement and still visible and viable and powerful and fruitful. I still believe Joel 2, 28, 29 is still to be birthed where there's going to be sons and daughters that prophesy and old men dream dream and young men see visions. I believe God's going to let us go out in a bang and a blaze of glory than we are filling out in the background. I believe that we'll go sweeping through the pearly gates, having reaped the harvest. I believe that God is coming again. In our passage today, though, in the story of the ten virgins, we can find some critical ingredients of what the rapture church should look like for his return. We see a, if you will, a dichotomy here of, of sorts. We have five that, that, that do it a certain way. And five that go about their business another way. And we see the pros and cons and the, if you will, consequences of what happens. Both good and bad. So what are some of these ingredients? Well, there are countless ingredients that I could give you. But for time's sake, I'll just highlight three of them real quick. So that I can get you out of here and get you home to, for you to be able to come back for graduation tonight. But let me quickly just give you a few of these the first thing i think in order for there to be a rapture church it's got to be a purified church god's not coming for a tainted church he's coming for a spotless church the bible said that he was coming back for a bride that's adorned herself without spot wrinkle or blemish meaning god's coming out you know i i i've used this this comedic uh, 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 comedic uh, if you will segue 
into this before, but the Bible says that God's coming for a church without spot nor blemish. I personally think the best stain remover the church has is not Tide, it's not Gain, it's not OxyClean, but it's one that comes in a white bottle called Shout. You can shout out the blemish. You can shout out the wrinkle. You can shout out the stain. You can shout out the pain. You can shout out the cancer. You can shout out the depression. You can shout. If you give it, when I think about the Lord, it makes me want to shout hallelujah thank you Jesus you can shout out so that you are a church without spot wrinkle or blemish it's got to be a purified church there's something special to be said about things that are in their purest of state there is a difference between organic or pure honey than there is pre-made honey or if you will altered versions of honey you go to Walmart and you buy regular honey. After a while, you know, it may coagulate a little bit, but it stays pretty much in its consistency with all the additives they've had. You go to B City in Cottageville and you buy raw honey, you're going to go home, and if you don't use it in a pretty long amount of time, it's going to settle at the bottle, and you're going to see the bottom. You're going to have to reheat the thing because it's going to turn back into a, 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 almost like it is in the, in the comb. It gives a film on the bottom, and it, it, it crystallizes. It's different. It's different. But pure honey tastes different than altered honey. Syrup. Molasses. There's a difference between pre-made and pure maple syrup versus Aunt Jemima's maple syrup that has 16 other ingredients in there with the syrup. There's a difference between cooking with pure oil than when you cook a recipe with a different version of oil. Some recipes you can use vegetable canola, olive, but certain recipes, the wrong oil will change the taste of that, that dish. It just will. In a lot of Italian dishes and Americanized Italian dishes, olive oil is used. A lot of more olive oil based than that than vegetable and canola. You'll notice that. Sugar, pure sugar, raw sugar is different than, if you will, uh, uh, altered sugar. Aloe vera, the bottle that you go buy at Walmart for your sunburns with, that says you know, aloe vera or whatever for cuts and bruises and burns, if you read the back of the bottle, it will have that, but it will have all these different products and things inside of it. But if you have an aloe plant, and you snip the plant, and you turn on, if you're not careful, it will leave a green residue on your skin. It will almost tattoo you with aloe vera. But I'm going to tell you right now, you can buy a Walmart bottle of aloe vera, and it will take about three to five days to feel relief. But I'm going to tell you, you take an aloe vera plant and you put a little bit on the next morning, you see a difference because it's in its purest of form. Can I tell you, there's a lot of churches that are the altered version of what God died for in terms of church. But there is a God that's looking for the purest of forms of his church. There's a lot of churches that can sing the right songs and give you a good motivational speech or have all the programs. But I'm telling you, God's not coming for the church that just looks the best in man's eyes or has all the programs or all the, the resourcing or all the talents and abilities. He's not coming for how beautiful your sanctuary is and how qualified your pastor is and how, how amazing your music team is. He's coming back for a pure church church the ones that are not only the blood bought of the redeemed but the ones that are praying the ones that are seeking him the ones that are living holy and blameless and upright before the Lord God's not coming back for the church of God versus the Baptist he's coming back for a purified church of the living God there's going to be some church of God folks that won't make heaven hello preacher 
I know we sing the church of God is right, glory through the Lamb, and that is wonderful, but some, for, some folks in the church of God just ain't right. They're not right in the head. That's one thing. And they're not right in the heart. That's the other thing. So it doesn't matter which way you align yourself. God's not coming back for denomination. He's coming back for the church. Now, I, I have no shame in my game in telling you that I'm Pentecostal and I, I'm Church of God. And there's a reason I've had opportunities to serve in non-denominational churches. Had opportunities to go work in those and chose differently over the course of my life not to do that. There's, there's nothing wrong with people who do that. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with Pentecostals versus Baptists versus whatever denomination. But I'm telling you, heaven's not denominational. It's universal. Now, do I believe heaven will be a little more Pentecostal than some of the other denominational verses? Absolutely, because the Bible says the angels cry, Holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is come. They don't shut up, so you can't go to quiet church and expect heaven to shut up too. So you might as well go to a noisy church so you can go ahead and get accustomed to the noise level. You ever heard of millions, billions, and trillions of people trying to talk at the same time? I struggle listening to three people talk at the same time. Can you imagine millions upon millions of billions of people all saying, Holy is the Lord God. That's going to get a little noisy in the house. You know what I'm saying? Oftentimes it will cost you more to buy something in its purest form than the altered form. Jesus didn't die for an altered church. He died to make sure he had the perfect purified church. It cost him his life. He's not coming back for average. He's coming back for pure. The ten virgins speak of a purified people. Make no mistake about it. Sin cannot enter the kingdom. And don't make, no, make no mistake about it. A sinful church won't go in the rapture either. Because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are the church. This building, the rapture will take place. But this property will still be on the ground. And I hate to say it, I, my uncle and those that have built this church have done a beautiful job. And those that Brother Henry and Brother Dennis and Brother Brandon and Sister Tana that helped with the lights and the remodel, all of them have done an amazing job. And all the people that have done things, Sister Tina and Sister Jennifer and Sister Ann and all of them in the back that's done things back there, done a beautiful job. And, I, and please don't misunderstand what your pastor is going to say. But there's going to come a day that fire is going to burn this place slap to the ground. And this church ain't going to mean a hill of beans because it ain't the church. This is the building. We're the church. Now, you may burn with it, but that's because you missed the rapture. But you didn't have to because God's church is going and not staying. So if you decide to stay, that's between you and the Lord. But I'm not planning on staying here. I'm planning on leaving here. My bags are already packed. My suitcase is already at the front door. I'm just waiting for Brother Mike. Brother Mike plays a beautiful trumpet, but Brother Mike can't play nothing like Gabriel can play. I already have my bags packed at 377 Decatur, standing at the door, because as soon as I hear the first note of when we all get to heaven, what a day of I'm going out the door, and you can have my office, you can have my house, you can have my suits, you can have my car because I'm leaving this place when he blows that trumpet. I'm out of here. You do what you want, but I'm leaving this place. First John 3 and 3. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as God is pure. A sinning man has lost his hope in anticipation of the return of Christ. Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 6:17. Come out from among them. And be ye separate, says the Lord, do not touch what is clean, do not touch what is unclean, and then I will receive you. Leviticus 11 and 44, for I am the Lord your God, 
And you shall therefore consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy as I am holy. Neither shall you defile yourselves with anything of this earth. Hebrews 12 and 14, pursue peace with all people and holiness. Without no one shall see the Lord. There's a call from God to his church today to repent from all sin and to return in holiness. A sinning people will not go to heaven. And Matthew 5 and 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they are the ones that shall see the Lord. Psalms 24, 2 and 3 says, Who may ascend unto the hill of the Lord? Only, or who may stand in his holy place? Only those with clean hands and a pure heart who has not lifted their soul to an idol or sworn deceitfully. You will not see the face of God in all his glory unless you are purified in your heart before his arrival. And then there's a, not only does the raptured church have to be pure, but the other ingredient is it has to be prepared for him coming. You can be pure, but you can be lazy. That sounds counterintuitive, but, but it is true. There's a lot of people that are pure. There's a lot of people that are lazy, too. I'm not talking about volunteering to teach children's church. I'm not talking about, well, that's great if you want to, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about while you're purifying yourself before God, you can't just let it be a one-time stop. Now, I'm going to break probably a lot of egotistical, theological, and probably lose a lot of people right now. Spiritual hearing aids are turning off as we speak, and people are tuning off our Facebook channel and YouTube channel at this moment. I don't believe once saved, always saved. I just don't. Now, I, you, you, that's you and the Lord, and I got good friends. I went to Baptist College, a.k.a. Charleston Southern University. I was the only, well, me and one other guy was the only two Pentecostal people in a group of 15, well, 20 of us total, Southern Baptist students. We were outnumbered, 10 to 1, easy. I sat in classes where the professors taught Calvinistic, idea, uh, Calvinistic teachings and theology, TULIP, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, the list goes on. Irresistible grace. Predestined eternal election. I don't believe God predetermined who goes to hell. I just don't. What's the point of dying on the cross if you're already going to send the half of them to hell already before you even come down? What's the point? Kind of king's counterintuitive to me. And I also don't believe that this once saved, always saved. I can go to the altar one time when I was 8 years old, 10 years old, or 12 years old and give my heart to Jesus and then live any old way. And as long as I keep coming to the church and giving to the church and I continue to just do the right deeds, I can live any old way and God's going to accept me. I don't find that in Scripture either. I find the Apostle Paul said it like this. I'm a I must crucify myself daily, yet not I, but it is Christ that lives with me. Apostle Paul said every day I'm going to screw it up. It better be God and me getting it right every day before I mess this thing up. That's in his word. His words, not mine. His words. I don't believe once saved, always saved, because I don't believe God expects us to just live any old way until he returns. That's why I believe in scriptures like this that I read to you today. We must consistently be anxiously awaiting and being prepared for the arrival of Jesus Christ. The ten virgins were all together. Five of them were prepared for the unknown. They didn't know when the bridegroom was coming. But they brought extra supply of oil to ensure they had enough just in case he tarried. They made sure to keep themselves ready no matter when the time or place of the election call would come. In sports, we always tell people, 
the second stringers, the reserves, the backups, the scout team members. We always tell them how important they are, but we also let them know you may not start this game, but you always must be prepared because when one of them goes down, you're the next man in. You've always got to be ready. You just don't know when your number's called. I'm a huge Atlanta Braves baseball fan. We have the best record in the, in the, uh, in the Major League Baseball right now, and we are the number one seed currently. But the Atlanta Braves have used 16 different pitchers this year to start in their fifth starter spot. They have five starters, and on the fifth starter spot, 16 of it leads baseball. I'm sure that probably the guy that was number 14 on the depth chart probably never thought he was getting called to the majors. He thought, there's 13 other guys ahead of me. I'll never see Truist Park in Atlanta until the call came. You're up tomorrow. Get on a plane and get here. You don't know when your number's called, but you better be ready when the number gets called. What if he would have had his cell phone turned off? Or what if he had happened not to go to the field that day with the minor league? What if he decided that day to go, you know what? I've been in the minor league system for five years now, and they've never called me up to the big leagues. And you know what? I've been in AAA for five years, and I'm tired of this. You know what? I'm not going in today. I'm going to call my manager today and say, you know what? Listen up. I'm done. I'm quitting. I'm going to get another job, whatever. And I, what if he'd have done that? And right as soon as he'd done that, he packs up his bags, walks out, and the phone call comes and said, send that guy. He's coming to Atlanta. He'd have missed the moment. But that's how the church is. We just, we just get tired of waiting, so we just pack up our bags. and like, well, I'm not waiting any longer. And we move on with our lives. There's backups. Last year, the starting shortstop for the Atlanta Braves was Dansby Swanson. Everybody in America said the Atlanta Braves were the absolute stupidest team in the world for letting him walk for a seven-year, over $70 million contract to play for the Chicago Cubs because we didn't have a proven backup starter. We had one guy who was reserved named Orlando Arcia, and we have two backups, Von Grissom and Brandon Shoemake, that are, that are not ready for the majors yet, and we were an idiot. They, told, they said all year long, all throughout the offseason, you better get a shortstop. It'll be the demise of the Atlanta Braves. That's going to be their Achilles heel. They better get one. They didn't do one. They started opening day with the backup from last year, Orlando Arcia, that used to back up the $7 million, or seven year $70 million shortstop, and yet the seven-year $70 million shortstop did not make the MLB All-Star game, but your Atlanta Braves backup shortstop was the starter for the National League All-Star game this year. I'm telling you, you don't know when the number's called, but you be you better be ready to play when the number's called. You better be ready. All ten of them had left home with some kind of oil because the Bible says that when they tarried long enough there, the bridegroom was coming, the five foolish ones said, give us some of your oil because our lamp's going out, meaning something was in it to start with to be burning. But over time, the cares of life started to if you will, stifle the flame, tried to snuff it out. So can I tell you, the flame, there was enough oil, there was plenty of oil to be given, but the fatal issue was, is they were not prepared for the delay. Jesus told us, watch therefore, you don't know when the Son of Man is coming. It's, a, it's, not, it's one thing to have enough oil initially to light the lamp, but it's another thing to keep the lamp burning. Lots of people will light the lamp for the first time at an altar. They just don't keep trimming the wick and keep it burning. That's why the old kids song, we teach them in children's church, give me oil in my lamp so it goes out. No, that ain't what the song says. Give me oil in my lamp to keep me burning, burning, burning. Not give me oil in my lamp so I can sit down and die out and flame out. No, 
give me all my lamp to keep me burning. The five-year-olds know to keep burning, and the church doesn't know to keep burning. Something ain't right with that picture. That's why Jesus said, Suffer the little children come unto me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Children get more about understand faith better than adults do. Children understand about blindly trusting Jesus better than adults do. Children know you got to keep burning the oil in your lamp to keep it burning better than we do. It says the flame, the flame was satisfactory. Wasn't wrong, nothing wrong with the flame. But it was the source that was defective. The flame was not defective. The source was defective. You see, the return of Christ demands that we be prepared to shine on in the middle of the midnight darkness. We should still be shining on as a light in dark places. We shouldn't be surprised at His coming. We may not know the exact hour, but we must recognize the timeline of His return is as close now as it has ever been before. You see, don't you think that it is time for us to prepare like He's coming. It's time to confess and repent and reform so that we will be a part of that raptured church. But finally, not only was it a pure church and a prepared church, but we know it's a powerful church. Jesus is not coming back for a baby church. He's coming back for a glorious church, a church triumphant. The oil in this context of this scripture refers to a supply of power. The flame burned the same way in both lamps. It was not the flame that was the problem. It was there wasn't enough source, enough power, enough, if you will, fuel to keep the fire burning. The oil was the fuel. The oil was what kept it going. The wick was still in there. The flame was still in there, but the flame was dying out because the oil was drying out. Let me say that again. The flame was burning out because the oil was drying out. Too many churches... Their flames are burning out because the oil in the house is drying out. There's no oil. There's no source. There's no fuel to keep the fire going. Just like in your cars, our lives sometimes need to have an oil change. You let your oil never be changed. You keep driving that car. It'll drive for a while, but over time it's going to do more damage by you not changing the oil than it would if you ever once in a while made sure the oil still was pure in the tank. You don't need to be driving when your oil is black as my suit. You need to be driving it when it's like clear. You don't drive it black oil. That means it's dirty. Many of us, our lives are black, stained by sin. God's not coming back for dirty. He's coming back for translucent, purified oil, not dirty, contaminated oil. We've got to sometimes change the oil. We'll start over the course of this life through sicknesses and disease and, and cares of life. We'll start picking up contaminants of this world. And every so often we need to, feel, we need to, if you will, filter those out and have an oil change so the oil is still pure and the contaminants get out the vessel. Hello. I'm preaching better than you're helping me today. The type of power we're seeing in our modern churches is not even close to the type of power the early church manifested in. It was once said that Thomas Aquinas was brought to a great city where he met the Pope. The Pope showed him huge churches and clerics and ornate garb and great armies lined up to defend the church's rule. As he took this all in, the Pope looked at Sir Thomas Aquinas and said, No more! Can St. Peter say silver and gold? Have we none? Referencing to the story in Acts 3. 
Sir Thomas Aquinas said, Aquinas said, Indeed, but neither can you say, Rise up and take your bed and walk. You see, in the years since World War II, the American church has constantly chosen prestige, power, and mainstream agendas. We have gained all the silver and gold that this world has to offer. But the tragedy that's in the churches today is silver and gold. Have we all? But we cannot say, pick up your bed and walk. There's a lot of churches that got the most expensive lighting budget, got the most expensive instruments. They've got all the prestige. They've got television deals. They've got mega deals and all of these book sales. But they cannot look to a wayward son or daughter. They can't look to someone bound in sin and say, silver and gold have I none. But in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. There's too many places. They got the silver. They got the gold. But they don't have the power to tell people to come out from among them. And be separate for the Lord. Silver and gold have I none. You see, he is returning for a spirit-filled church. The oil represented the Holy Spirit of God. It is the Spirit of God that keeps us aflame keeps us burning he promised us Jesus did that we would receive power from on high Mr. Oh, you come Jesus instructs his disciples to wait and be filled by the Holy Spirit Christ promised that he would pray to the Father and send him another comforter who would enable the church to have greater ministry that word greater refers to quantity Seeing that there's still a great, great number of on-fire saints today, we're able to get more done for the kingdom now than we ever have before. Brother Wayne, I think it was, or, or might have been Brother Randy. I'm not 100% sure who mentioned it, but they talked about that we are a society that is more connected now than we have ever been. But yet we're also the most fractured society that we've ever been, too. We have the innate ability to be more connected. I don't even have to see Brother Mike. I can FaceTime Brother Mike and see him live on my cell phone. I don't have to send a letter in the mail away for four or five days for him to receive it. In four or five days, I can send him an email, and in two minutes, he can respond back to the answer to my question. I don't have to stand in the end of a party line and wait for everybody else to get off the line and tell my neighbor down the street what's going on. I can call their cell phone, and they're always on the line when I call. Or unless you're like my parents and don't keep your cell phone on, there's no point in having it because you call, they don't answer. They're going back to living life off the grid. They got party lines out there on Millie's Way, apparently. You can't reach them out there. Life is different. You got smart cars that drive themselves. You ain't got to drive them. It takes the thinking for you out of the way. You can hit a button and you can fall asleep. And the car will vibrate and say, you need coffee because you're swerving. The dashboard will say, take a break, drink coffee. Your dashboard tells you that. It has lane assistance. It'll start vibrating and tell you to veer over. Don't think I'm kidding. I drove a car when I was with Brianna on one of our trips when we had to use a rental car. She was driving, I was driving, I don't remember who was driving, but all of a sudden I heard this ding, ding, ding. I think we're about to eject out of the car and look down and it says, please stop, take a break, drink coffee on the dashboard I thought you didn't have to tell me that twice I pulled over took a break guess what I bought coffee it said to do it so I obeyed my car tells me when things are not right we're more connected than we've ever been but we also are more splintered and fractured than we've ever been because with all this 
ability to stay connected, we also can hide behind all our connectivity so people can't see the real us. They can't read our emotions on the email. They can't really tell what they mean via the text message. They don't really know. We can't, we can hide behind this connectivity. I'm not trying to pick on Brother Wade today since he shared his testimony, but he was very clear. He said, when I had all these things around me, but yet I went to a state of depression like no one was around me. There's a lot of times in our lives, there's a lot of people that are around us, but yet we feel like we're on an island with no one around us. Every Sunday, somebody comes by and shakes our hand and hugs our neck, but we still feel like we're on the island alone, even though they said good morning in church. We feel fractured. See, the reality of it is we live in a day and an hour that while we're the most connected and yet the most fractured and splintered, we must realize that God never designed or desired for the church to be anemic. He doesn't want the church to be listless. He doesn't want the church to be blind, lame, or weak. He wants us to be empowered from on high. That which the Holy Ghost, when He comes upon you, will help you make it through. The church has to be pure. The church has to be prepared. The church has to be powerful. Signs and wonders, diverse miracles will take place around it. The glorious power and authority given to the last day church is given by the Holy Spirit. But I challenge you with this. But just because we have all the ingredients that I've shared with you today and just because we know it's available, we cannot stop working until he comes five foolish virgins they just kind of let their life just kind of go on coast mode they put it on cruise control spiritually five foolish virgins just kind of sat around and over time the fire started to wane and when Jesus did come the bridegroom did come they were in trouble because they had put their life on cruise control but the five wise virgins they every day would trim the wick a little bit more make sure there was still oil in the bottom of the canister so it would still burn they daily kept making sure they were ready because what if today could be the day you know we sing all these songs what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see we, we sing about all these 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 you know uh, songs about you know we shall behold him and I, all these one day we're going to see him face to face what if that's today did, did we get up this morning and trim our wicks and make sure oil was in our canister today? Or are we just cruise controlling this life spiritually? Because if you cruise control spiritually long enough, you'll end up like those five foolish virgins. You'll one day look back and realize your lamp wasn't where it needed to be, trimmed and burning. Or you can choose today to say, well, you know what, Pastor, I, I'm going to make sure that I'm part of that rapture church. I'm going to make sure that I trim it, I check it, I pour it in, and I let it burn. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a part of that church. I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about God's church. I'm talking about God's glorious church. I can't answer where you are spiritually today, but what I can tell you is God knows the end from the beginning, and He knows where you are. I know we have CLM graduation night. My message tonight will be totally different than today. Today I'm going to be preaching a message that simply says, let me tell you about Jesus. I'm going to talk about that He is the reigning Christ. He's the returning Christ. He's the royal Christ. He's the redemptive Christ. And I'm going to talk to you about, let me tell you what Jesus did for you. 
And I want to tell you today in this house and those watching online, but you won't be in the rapture church if you don't know Jesus. You won't be there. You won't go. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to ask two questions today. Question number one is the same every week. Is there anybody in this house that doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? And should the time come that they have to go before heaven and stand before eternity, before God their maker, and they're not sure where they'd stand is what's already come. But if there's anybody that says today, Pastor, I'm not sure. If eternity called me today, I'd go to heaven. And I want to make sure today when I leave this place, I go to heaven. I want to make sure I have it right with God. Would you slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I'm not sure today if Jesus came. I'd go, but I want to make sure I'm going. I see that hand. God bless you, my, my friend. Any others? Any others? God bless you. Yes, thank you, Jesus. The second question I have today, before we pray for those that are already in this altar, my second question is this. Is there anybody today say, Pastor, I've heard this message today. And there are some elements in that message that I want to get taken care of. I, I think I'm pure before God, but I need to make sure I'm a little more prepared. I, I want to be a part of that powerful church. I want to be a part of that rapture church. So, Pastor, would you pray today the Lord will help me to stay true to the end, to be a part of that rapture church. If that's you, will you slip your hand and say, Pastor, I want to make sure I'm ready. Yes, 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 yes. God bless you. Yes, yes, yes. God bless you today. Now, I'm going to ask a few ladies of the church. We've got something already here. Some of the ladies that don't mind, if they'll come help me this morning and pray. This dear sister on the altar, we're going to pray for her. As you, as those, go ahead and make their way to do that. Everyone else is in your seat. I want to do this because I don't want to embarrass those that are, that have raised their hands for salvation. But I want us, while some are praying with her, and I will be there just momentarily. The rest of you that are in your pew today, I want us to bow our heads and I want us to repeat the sinner's prayer so that the person and persons that raised their hand today don't feel like they've done this alone today on this journey. So church, let's pray this together. Dear Jesus. I know I'm a sinner, and I needed a Savior. I believe you're God. I believe you're my Savior. I believe you came. I believe you died. I believe you were buried. I believe you rose. I believe you're sitting at the right hand of the Father. And I believe you're coming back again to get us. Forgive me of my sins. Purify my heart. Let me make sure that I'm right with you today. Come be my Lord and Savior. I trust you and believe in you, Jesus. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. If you prayed that prayer in here, before we pray for those on the altar, if you prayed that prayer in here today, you are saved by grace. Not by works, lest any man should boast, but by Jesus Christ. Now, for the rest of you that are here, I'm going to ask you, if you raised your hand about being a part of God's glorious church, I'm going to ask you to just, wherever you are, to make an altar and pray unto the Lord as we pray for those in this altar today. You pray and ask God to help you today.
Father, I pray today for everyone that raised their hand to be a part of your glorious church. I pray today that they would, Lord, that your heart would be their heart. Your vision would be their vision. That your, your spirit would become their spirit today. Father, I believe that you are able to do exceedingly and abundantly in these last days more than we'll ever think or comprehend each the power of Jesus Christ. Let us be part of the glorified church, the church of the redeemed. any others today that wants prayer before we close I said to you before I pray our prayer and then have brother Randy pray our benediction you know all the things that need to be brought tonight for CLM if you don't if you don't know what all still needs to be gathered or whatever please see one of our hospitality members or kitchen staff that helps operate that today and, and they'll help you with that say to you today, if you come, obviously come early so you get a good seat or whatever for tonight, but let me say to you today this, I want you to know today, if you prayed that prayer with me a few minutes ago and you raised your hand, don't you leave this place and let the devil tell you God didn't meet you today. See, what's going to happen is you're going to leave church today and tomorrow morning hell's going to come knock on your door. You're going to slip up. You're going to make a mistake. You may slip up and say a bad word. You may battle with anger. You may say something you regret. And in that moment, you may think, oh, it didn't work. It didn't stick. God didn't save me. I'm in trouble. It didn't, it didn't happen. No, 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 no. You're human, church. My brother, my sister, you're human. No one's perfect. Look throughout the Bible. Nobody got it right completely in terms of being perfected except Jesus. But the good news is because you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, you don't have to wait till next Sunday morning to get it back right with Jesus. 
Because tomorrow morning when that devil comes knocking on your door and he tells you, you did, it didn't stick, look at you. You're back to what you always done. You can say, no, 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 you're a liar. Get out of my house. And you can drop to your knees right there in the kitchen floor, right there in the bathroom floor, right there in the dining room floor, right there on the couch, wherever. You can stand right there, wherever you are, and you can say, Jesus, you know I wanted to be saved. And you, and you can right there, you don't have to even call the preacher to walk you through the five-step program. You, you can say, but Jesus, 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 even if that's the only word you can get out, his Jesus, that's more powerful than any phone call you'll give me. You just got to get the word. When the anger comes on, say Jesus. When the word slips out, say Jesus, please forgive me, help me. When the frustrations and thoughts wear up in your mind, just get the name Jesus into the house. Don't you leave this place thinking you're over. It's only the beginning. It's not over, the song says. It's only the beginning. Not the beginning of the end, but the beginning of newness of life. Enjoy right now. Yes, ma'am. Am I not a God? Not a still, a healer? Am I not a God that sits above time and space? Am I not a God that my stripes that were born on Calvary's cross is still redemptive for you? But you must come unto me. You must give it to me. And you must believe in me, says the Lord. You just lift your hands all over this house. So you don't know what just was said in this place a few moments ago. We have two in our family right now in this house that are battling difficult pregnancies. Sister April is not here today because of some issues with her pregnancy. She can't even get off the bed in the hospital about 26 weeks. Sister Vanessa and Sister Tina's brought her up here as a spiritual mom. If you don't know, Sister Vanessa likewise has been battling. She's told us, she just expressed just today again her joy. This is not a joyous pregnancy where it should be a time, but it's in pain, nause nauseousness, sickness. Depression sets in sometimes because she doesn't even feel she get out the bed because she's just miserable. But I don't believe that has to be the story. That's why they came up here this morning to say, Pastor, will you pray? If God can heal other people of cancer, can he touch my belly that I don't have to be miserable? Oh, yes, he can, honey. Yes, he can. 
and April Kirkman may not be in here, but she, wherever she's at in Bono, oh, yes, he can, honey. He can touch you right where you are. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. So if you stand all over the house, those that want to help, you can come and join. Or if you want to stretch your hands, you can. But we're going to believe for Vanessa and for April. God's going to make a way where there seems to be no other way. Let's pray together, church, in the name of the Lord. As you remain standing, let's pray together, and then Brother Randy will close us out in prayer. Eternal Father, may you bless us and keep us. May you make your face shine upon us and be gracious to us and lift up your countenance towards us. Give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding and guard our hearts till you come again. May the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and blessed Redeemer, in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, we pray. And as you remain in a spirit of prayer, Brother Randy is going to close us out, and immediately following, you're dismissed. God bless you today.